1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. I got some other verses I want to share, but we're going to, if you're familiar with the Bible, uh, you might recognize the story. It's about David and Goliath, and my brother was going to preach my sermon for me because there's giants in our way. A giant might be cancer. A giant could be, there's so many things we deal with. So have your finger there in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to start with verse James, uh, James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. You don't have to turn there. But consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or perseverance. I don't know about you, but I don't like to be tested. I enjoyed... Um, history test because I love history. I love the challenge. I despised math tests. <laughs> Once you got out of where I could use my fingers and toes, I was done. Right? <laughs> A multiplication wasn't too good. But Whenever we face something, whenever we face a trial or difficulty, many of us, we just want it to go away. I, we don't want to deal with it, but God can use that to test us, to train us, to help us. God prepares us for battles uh, through the experiences in life that we face. God prepares us through those experiences. David, little, the little shepherd boy David that became a king, remember... Just a few chapters earlier, Samuel came to anoint one of Jesse's sons, lined them all up except David who was out in the field, and was going to anoint one of them king, and God kept saying, not him, not him, not him, all the way down the line till he got to number eight. He said, do you have any more sons? Yeah, he's out in the field, go get him. Anointed David king. His older brother, Eliab, the oldest, was rejected along with the first seven. God said, don't look at the outward things. He said, I don't care about what the outward looks like. I want to, what, what's in the heart. And we know later on in Scripture it says David was a man after God's own heart. But David went through some testing as a shepherd boy. We read later in chapter 17 that he killed a lion and a bear to protect his sheep. Apparently, wild animals was a problem in that region, in that area. In fact, if you remember the story of Jacob, he had a son named Joseph that had a coat of many colors. His brothers were going to kill him, ended up not, but they told the father. They dipped that jacket in blood and took it to his dad or the robe and said, hey, he was killed by wild animals. That was not anything new, apparently, for these shepherds. To face because they were out there to protect the sheep. David passed the test with the lion and the bear. He was able to take care of them with the sling that he had. God prepares us in, we, we go through things, we face things, or things happen, we're like, what am I doing here? Have you ever thought that? What am I doing here? You ever been in a job? You said, what, what am I, <laughs> what is this about? Or I was in a freshman in college at Evangel, it's now University. 
in Springfield, Missouri. And I was, my major was history. I love history. I became a history teacher here in Polk County years later. But anyway, my minor was music because I enjoyed music. I loved playing in the band and doing all those things. And so when I went to college, I had a job in the afternoon to help pay for that. How many knows what that's about? I, I couldn't get a loan. People pay it off. But anyway, you'll, you'll get that a little later. Um, I, I, had, I had a certain, I had a 10 o'clock time slot in my schedule that I had to get a class or I wouldn't be a full-time student. So I went to my professor and we were looking and he said, well, your, ma your minor is in music and there's a music class you can take. It's called church, church music ministry. I'm like, sign me up. That sounds, sounds real easy. <laughs> It's church music. Oh my goodness, it was the hardest class I had. <laughs> the hardest class. And I was in there. It was a class for seniors who were graduating. I was a freshman. I, you know, God, God knows. I, you know, I didn't know. I'm sitting in that class. I, that's the hardest class. I worked and worked and worked. And the final exam was supposed to be a recital that you give. There, there are folks in that class that played the organ, they played the piano, they did all these other things. Some of them were like super talented singers. I played the trumpet and the bass guitar. <laughs> Not one of those feature instruments. Anyway, my assignment was to write out a whole uh, church music ministry plan for a very large church, for a church of over 1,500. So I had to, anyway, I did all that, passed the test, uh, made it through, transferred to Florida, moved on, got my teaching degree, started teaching school, and then the first church we went to, they needed a music director. So the first, and then the next church I went to, I was hired as the youth and music director. Now that's a challenge, youth and music. I would, uh, on, we had service on Wednesday night. I would come to the sanctuary, lead worship while things were going on behind, the youth room was behind the platform. I'd lead worship, I would run out the side door as the pastor came up and start my youth service. Well, anyway, challenge. But God knew what I needed long before I even thought about it. I still use the notebook I got and all the notes I took in that class back in 19... somewhere. <laughs> I look older than I am, by the way. I always win the contest at the fair. You know how they guess your age? I don't have time for all this, but I'll tell it anyway. They guess your age. So my wife and I would go together and uh, I would be first, and they would guess my age, and I, they always guessed 10 years older, pull out my driver's license, and they would say, okay, here's the bear, you win, or whatever stuffed animal it was. So then we'd march Lori up and pay the $5 fee for them to guess her age. They thought, well, she's a lot younger than him, because she looks a whole lot better. 
And they would guess her age younger than mine and miss it. I won't tell you why, but they miss it. Okay, let's move on. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose. And some of the things you go through prepare you for giants you're going to face later in your life. Bill, if you hadn't been a student of the Word, someone that communed with God, he could not have spoken to you those Bible verses to hold on to. We have to be people of God. Amen. The next, giants appear when we don't expect it. Giants appear when we least expect or when we're not ready. If God would tell us ahead of time, hey, there's going to be a giant in the next season of life, we're like, okay, let me just get... No, they just appear out of nowhere. David was sent by his dad to go feed his brothers. They were on the battlefield. They were supposed to be fighting the Philistines. He's supposed to be taking them some food. And he comes across this scene. So let's read some of this in 1 Samuel 17. You thought I've already forgot about the checks. 1 Samuel 17, 4, a champion or a mediator named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. That means he was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Look, go back one verse. A bronze helmet on his head. If you know the story, he got hit right there. How could that stone? I'll tell you about my theory in a little bit. All right, let's go on. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, uh, like shin guards that catchers wear. Bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and the iron point weighed 600 shekels, and his shield bearer went ahead of him. Giants always seem bigger than they really are. Now, little David, nine-foot giant. Your problem, your difficulty, the giant that you're facing in your life, whatever that is, will seem bigger than it really is. Will seem enormous, will seem insurmountable, will seem like there is no way but God. But God. God. God can where we fail. You can't pick your giant. I wonder if David thought, man, could it be something else? <laughs> could, it be, could this guy just be a little smaller? Could, could he not wear a helmet on his head where I'm about to throw this rock? I don't know what David thought. How tall or how great is your giant? How big is what you're facing? Let me tell you this, it's not as big as your God. Amen. He, whatever the giant is, it's not as big as the God that you serve, if you serve God. 1 Samuel 17, 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and why don't you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. He says, "Come, have them come out. It says uh, Goliath was a champion. In one uh, 
version, one scripture, it says he was a mediator. In other words, he was going to be the representative of the Philistines, and he was asking for a representative from Israel. So no, they didn't have to slaughter all these people, just two guys battle it out. Whatever the case was, David heard this Philistine make a racket. In verse 25, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? To defy Israel, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him and will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Exempt from taxes. That's pretty good. Like, I don't know about the daughter. She, she might not be the prettiest thing, but boy, exempt me from taxes. I'm, I'm all in on that. David asked the men standing there, what will be done for the one who kills him? The Philistine uh, kills this Philistine, removes, listen to how he says it, this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Amen. Who is it? When you're facing your giant, you say, who are you compared to my God? Who are you? What are you? If it's finances, if it's health, whatever it is, if it's a relational problem, it's nothing compared to our God. David faced the opposition. He faced difficulties before he even faced Goliath. His older brother, Eliab. If you read in the verses there, Eliab said, Shouldn't you be down there tending the sheep? Who's watching them for you? You just came up to watch the battle. He just put him down, tried to put him in a, his place because Eliab was the oldest. Now, we can look at, you know, David was already anointed king a few chapters earlier. And yet his older brother, I think, had a little resentment that he wasn't chosen and anointed king by Samuel. Because he said, shouldn't you be down there? Who are you? What? And all David did was ask a question, what's going to happen to this, whoever defeats this guy? Because whoever it is, God's going to be with them and they're going to defeat him. He had real uh, faith to believe God was not going to let the Philistines destroy them. His brother said, I know your pride has caused you to come down here. When we step out in faith, when we do things that seem un, uh, not normal, or we step out in faith that with God, believe God, so many times well-meaning people will come and tell us how crazy we are, or tell us what we should be doing, or fill in the blank. And it could be from unexpected sources like family, like close friends. Don't let that discourage you. Even King Saul said in 1 Samuel 17, 33, Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. Now what's shocking to me 
is that Saul actually let him go out there and fight him anyway. Even though he just told him, you're a youth, this guy has all this experience, what do you have? And that's when David said, oh, I've killed the bear and the lion. Who is this guy? <laughs> that's faith talking. That's faith that says, what is it? What, you know, it's nothing compared to my God, but we get so discouraged many times, people talk us out of that faith many times. Be an encourager. Now, trust me, I've lived a few years, and I know what it's like to, to step out in faith and people not have that confidence, or somebody comes to you and they share sort of what they feel like God is doing, and you're like, I'll pray with you. I don't, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, ooh, it's got to be God. If that happens, that's got to be God. But don't, don't discourage them. We, need, we do need, if they ask for help and reason and whatever, advice, give it. But you need to encourage their faith if God's calling them to step out. The enemy himself will speak out. What did the giant say in uh, verse 43? So the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. So he wasn't winning any favors with his brother, with the king, or with the guy he was about to kill. Because we know the end of the story, right? But God, God will confirm in us when we need that faith. When we stand before that giant, the Spirit of God inside of us will say, stand, stand strong. Your biggest challenge, though, you're going to face opposition from without. Your biggest challenge is from within. Amen. Your own thoughts. Your own thoughts. What do you, when you look in the mirror in the morning, what are some of the thoughts that go through your mind? I know me. It's like, how could this ugly guy marry such a wonderful woman? It's beautiful. It had to be God. I mean, I wore down. Uh, she wouldn't go out with me to begin with. And, uh, or I'll look, I was looking at pictures from a few years back, vacation pictures, and I'm like, who's that bald guy? And I'm like, wait a minute, that's me. I'm not bald. I can feel my hair. You can't see it, but I can feel it. So in the mirror, I'm looking like, this guy again? You ever think that, you know, I don't know what plays in your head when you think about yourself, but the battle many times is right there. So we put ourselves down. We battle in our mind. Who are you to think you can stand against cancer? Who are you to think that this situation is going to get any better just by believing God? Those thoughts have to go. It's not that it's mind over matter. It's like, you know what? I'm not going to entertain those thoughts. I do have a scripture for that. It's out of sequence, Mindy. But The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10:5, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity 
to the obedience of Christ. So when those things, when, when those negative things start bombarding you, just say, Lord, I, I just give them to you. I give them away. The Bible says in Philippians, whatever th things are true, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, and the list goes on and on, think on these things. doesn't say whatever brings you down, whatever trouble is ahead, think on those. No. Think on those right things. Our missionettes could quote that scripture to you because it's in their program. David had a unified mind. The Israelites have been saying, Goliath comes out to defy Israel. They said the very same words David did, but they never took any action. They were saying, this, this guy comes out and defies us. He defies our God. But they never stepped out in faith and said, let's do something about it. But God was raising up a little boy to show them the way. David's thoughts, actions, and words were in alignment. His thought was, who is this guy defining, uh, defying the armies of Israel? But he took it a step further. He said, what's going to be done for him when they defeat him? We have three parts of us that need to be united to interact with the world, our mind, our words, and our actions. When these three areas are in unity, we have faith in action. The battle. David couldn't fight the giant the way everybody was encouraging him to do it. So when David said, I want to fight Goliath, what did Saul do? He said, here's my armor, put it on. Here's, here's a fighting chance for you, buddy. <laughs> and he tried it on, just it wasn't right because that's not how God prepared him to fight the battle. God prepared him to fight the battle with a sling and a stone, not with all this other equipment. That's how God prepared it. You say, well, I don't have all this education. I don't have all this stuff, whatever it is. If God calls you, he will prepare you, and you can step out and face that giant with what you have. Why? Because what did Gideon do? He had all these men, and God said, there's too many. Why did God do that? Because he wanted to show that he was the one that was going to bring the victory, not man. Amen. And many times in your situation and in mine, God takes the little we have and he makes so much out of it because it's him and we know it's God. It's not my own strength. It's not what I learned in school. It's not all those things. He relies on those. That's how he's built, built us up. But God gives the increase. God gives the battle, the victory over the battle. Think of Esther in the Old Testament. She was set up to be queen just out of some strange circumstances and in the right place at the right time for God's people. Amen? If you don't know the story, you can read that in her book. She has her own book. It's in the Old Testament. The giants in our life will scream, yell, intimidate, ridicule us, but we must look beyond the giant to see our God. Amen. Your giants are going to scream louder than the two-year-old not getting his way at Walmart. 
Have you ever, if you've raised kids, you've had them throw their little fit because they didn't get the toy they wanted or get to do what they wanted? Uh, I'll go ahead and tell it. All right, they, they, come, they come to first service, but my little two-year-old now, when he doesn't get his way, when he is told no, and by the way, parents, no is a word that you need to tell your kids because they shouldn't get everything they ever wanted. But anyway, he will sit there and he'll just freeze and give you the stare down. <laughs> I like that better than the kid laying on the floor and screaming and kicking, but it, it's funny. And they call me Poppy. Uh, the grandkids do, and... Poppy should not laugh when the two-year-old does that, but so I have to slip out or put a pillow over my face or something. Just it's hilarious to watch how he's testing. Kids will test you. I mean, that's just that's just the nature. But when when we don't get our way, how how anyway. Esther was in the right place at the right time. The enemy will scream, will fuss, fume, and fight, but God is able. David said, and this goes back to the song Charlie would sing with a choir, you come with me with spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The enemy has all these weapons and all these things he throws at us, but and it sounds, because it sounds odd, makes it so true to me because we're stepping out in faith. I come to you, giant, in the name of the Lord. Amen. In the name of the Lord. Not out of my own ability, not out of my own weapons, not out of all the things that I have, all the things I've packed in my box. I come to you in the name of the Lord. But... God didn't just slay Goliath. What did he do? He used that boy to throw that rock that hit him. So it takes not just the thought, say, Lord, I come, I come to you in the name of the Lord, but it takes action. Yeah. It takes a step out and do and act out in faith what God has prepared us to do before. There were some tough situations I faced in my life. I was in a church I was hired as a youth and music pastor. I told you a little bit about going from one place to another, but when I first got there, I didn't realize the pastor was having trouble. <laughs> He's a great guy. He's now a missionary. He came through here, and uh, we support him. But, but he hired me to try to cover these bases where people were leaving and resigning. And... One area was the youth. I did the young people, and the guy before me, he was like Dapper Dan. I mean, he was sharp looking. He, everybody loved him. He could do no wrong. I think he walked on water, but I didn't see the, I don't know. It just seemed like it. Everybody's like, he's the best that ever was. And I'm like, how do I follow that? Because I'm just, and eventually what I did, I let those high schoolers hated me. And I took those young middle schoolers and we just, I said, let's just grow the group from there because I'm not going to win them back because their youth pastor left them, okay? 
Then it came to the music, and the couple that was doing the choir, they were like music gurus. I mean, the gentleman played in a band that traveled, they, a, a Christian musical group. I mean, he was talented. His wife had a music degree and taught school, taught music in school, all these. So when I came in, Mr. Podunk Cowboy, with one music ministry class that helps, they started this list of all the things I did wrong. And it was like Martin Luther nailing the 95 thesis on the door, right? They took that list and they presented it to my pastor and said, this is how bad this guy is. I'm like, oh man. And I got a copy, by the way. I'm like, he, he started this song off in the wrong key. Still do. Um, he didn't say the right words. Still do. Oh, thank God we have screens now where I can see back there. But all these things I did wrong and, uh, you know, just how I was. It's just me, right? And the pastor, I went to his office. I said, I guess we're going we're gonna to look at this list that's been put together of all the, my failures. And he said, yep. And he took that and he ripped it in two. <laughs> he said, I don't care. He said, I, I want you to do better. But we're not going to deal with these. He said, I want you to do the best you can do and learn and grow. But we're not going to let them threaten you, because they, he basically they wanted the pastor to fire me and hire somebody new. And pastor's like, no, we've come, I've probably been there six months. He said, we've come this far, let's, let's just keep going. And uh, great opposition, by the way, in that church, and thankfully now it's a thriving church, but I'll tell you this, the, the enemy comes at you in every way, but God is able. I learned more through that, and unfortunately or fortunately, it's helped me out over and over again. Because we can have this grievance list. What good does that do? Paul said, when we fight with one another, we're, do, we're not doing God any service. That's a Greg Rake's translation. I don't know if you find that in Corinthians or not, but... So, so many efforts in the church are where we fight with one another when our fight should be to win these souls for Jesus that don't know him, that haven't heard the message of how he has forgiveness, he has healing, he has all these things for us. David, face Goliath. I need to get to closing here. He took a stone, hit that boy right in the forehead. It says he fell face down. How did he do that with this nice helmet on? I think nine foot nine Goliath was looking down at David, had to just tilt it up just to see, is this who I'm really fighting? I don't know. But David saw the opportunity, saw the little place that he could hit Goliath and brought him down. You come to me with spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he took him down. I don't know what giants you're facing, what difficulties, trials. And, and for some of us, we've got some that are down the road. We don't know what we're going to face. But I want to tell you this. Be in the Word. Be in prayer. 
and don't despise the trials you go through now. Say, God, teach me what you want me to learn. Not everything that comes against us is some preparation for later on, sometimes just the enemy attacking us. But take every opportunity of everything we face. Say, Lord, help me grow through this. Help me be a better Christian through this. Let me know you better and deeper. I know the difficulties in our family and the trials that we faced have drawn me closer to God than any mountaintop experience I have. It's drove me to my knees. It's brought me to a bro place of brokenness where God can reveal to us, can help us. Five life lessons. God is always preparing us for battles if we submit to his teaching and leading. The hardest battles you face will be in your mind, your thoughts. The hardest, the opposition can talk all they want, but it's, it's when we're, we're not lining up with God's word, with our thoughts. Well-meaning people will challenge your faith. Eliab, the oldest brother, probably one that David looked up to, said, what are you doing up here, dude? You should be down there with the sheep. He even said, who's down there watching, doing your job while you're up here? And David was actually doing what his dad called him to do. David was there his dad said, go take your brother's food. He was doing what he was supposed to do, and yet he was put down by his older brother. Number four, reality and faith have to meet in the quiet place with God through prayer. I want you to dwell on that for a minute. Reality, what's how we see it, and our faith in God to do the miraculous have to come to agreement in the quiet place so we can have that faith to stand and pray. And sometimes we face things, the Lord, I don't know how to pray. So that's what you go to God with. God, I don't know how to pray for this. I don't know how this circumstance is going to end. You, Lord, it's yours. I have to give it to you. And the last thing, when we walk in the Spirit in faith, giants will fall.